It all started back in 2013. Data wants to be free. Let's call bullshit on people who are bullshitting us as well, and that's how we're going to build the future of finance, all of us together, and that's how we're going to move forward. Sounds good to me. There's something magical about the crypto valley. You create the money more than any kind of central banks doing. Blockchain will revolutionize trust on a global scale. You can feel the entrepreneurial spirit everywhere. This is Crypto Valley Visionaries Podcast. Crypto Valley Visionaries. Visionaries. Welcome to Crypto Valley Visionaries Podcast. This is your host, Ivana, here. And together with my co-host, Ralph, in this podcast, we interview entrepreneurs and visionaries from the global blockchain scene. Together, we explore how blockchain technology is changing the world, and we discuss different stories from their entrepreneurial journey. Today, we get to sit down with Niklas Nikolaisen, the founder and chairman of the board of Bitcoin Swiss. After he discovered Bitcoin, Niklas moved from Denmark to Switzerland with an idea to start a company that will work with Bitcoin. After his arrival to Switzerland, Niklas worked as a consultant in one of the Swiss big banks. He managed to convince some of the people around him to invest in Bitcoin, and those people later became his partners, with whom he together found Bitcoin Swiss in 2013. Today, it is said that Niklas is a Bitcoin multimillionaire. He owns a castle on the lake and he's one of the most well-known figures in Swiss blockchain scene. In this episode, we talk with Niklas about the importance of following your dreams, being persistent and not giving up even when you face disbelief by people around you. We also talk about how it is to grow a company from a small startup to a company valued at almost 303 million Swiss francs. If you haven't done so yet, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Niklas, welcome. You're one of the most prominent figures in the Crypto Valley and uh, scene, and it's a pleasure to really have you with us today. As you know, the CV Labs is a startup incubator, and CVVC is investing in early-stage startups. And in this series here with Crypto Valley Visionaries, we really try to get to the essence of what made you successful and how this can be taught to other people that start their own companies or want to start their own companies. So with that, you know, Ivana is going to ask you a few questions about the early stages. I'll do my very best to answer. Thanks. So we know that as you were growing up, uh, you were moving uh, around the world, that you grew up in Denmark and then you moved to Africa and to Faroe Islands. Uh, can you tell us more about this experience and how this, sh how this has shaped you? Yes, uh, through my childhood and, and, and youth, I moved uh, uh, with my family several times, ending up in my late youth also on a, a boarding school for, for several years. So I guess uh, adapting to change would somehow be built into my childhood future. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that any family do the same pattern that's, uh, that I went through because... Uh, at several occasions, I had to redo my friendships and personal relations. Uh, and that uh, isn't not always very nice when you are a child. Uh, but certainly it has left me uh, probably more adaptable uh, than people are most. Uh, uh, when I was very young, it was in rural Denmark we lived. Um, when I got a little older, the family moved to Africa and were there, there for some years uh, in different countries. And after that, as you say, uh, say, I moved to the Faroe Islands with my mother. Uh, and after that, I went to a boarding school in Denmark. And only then, uh, when I finished high school on the boarding school, did I 
for the first time move uh, somewhere alone. But you can also say on a boarding school you live uh, without your parents. And that, of course, also meant that when I was looking and thinking about uh, moving to Switzerland, uh, and what age was I in 2010? Um, that must have been uh, at around the age of 34. Then I wasn't that afraid of having to jump out into something new and rebuilding uh, my relations. So it turned maybe out to be a benefit, but I also cried a lot as a child. Yes, and uh, tell us more about your experience in Africa, because um, I understood that this experience in Africa and everything that you witnessed there related to governments and to um, everything that was going on there, that this has, has had big effect on you uh, and, relate, uh, and it was related to your uh, enthusiasm towards Bitcoin. I think that many people who grow up in a well-working society uh, will have a tendency to have a very high faith in um, those that rule them. That is, in Western society, typically uh, the government and the uh, uh, regulators and the police and so forth. Um, I, however, uh, in my early childhood and through experiences, mainly in Africa, uh, also saw that just because people wear nice uniforms uh, and have uh, nice titles uh, in government or in police are not necessarily... Uh, the best people in the world. At the end of the day, they are human beings like the rest of us. They are not some special uh, uh, angel race and will be prone to many of the same um, uh, failures as on all, all other humans, including uh, corruption, including stealing, including jealousy, including a lot of things. And that, I think, stuck with me uh, throughout my life and also uh, made me question uh, many things in our societies here back in Europe, if they are really optimal, if it is really optimal to uh, concentrate a lot of power in the hands of very few people. And it doesn't matter too much if they are elected or if they grab power themselves, right? They, the same incentives are at work. And the incentives will often for some people be to benefit themselves. And this extends into the financial system as well. Uh, and questioning these things, I think, sent me on a pathway to become uh, what you call a libertarian, somebody who believe in limited government and free markets, uh, and also later on uh, towards the cyberpunk uh, movement, which was, can we in somehow use technology to replace uh, human beings in decision-making? And that, of course, was ultimately... Uh, um, the movement which gave birth to uh, Bitcoin through uh, Satoshi Nagamoto. So maybe we go back to, you mentioned uh, the boarding school. And uh, so at the end of boarding school, did you did you know what your passion was, what you wanted to pursue in life? And uh, how, how did you pursue or how did you decide to pursue what you thought your passion was? My passions uh, at the, at the um, when I graduated high school um, or gymnasium as it's called in Denmark, I had been at the boarding school uh, for four or five years, and I had always been attracted to what people call the hard uh, topics, the hard subjects. Uh, that is, I always detested uh, literary subjects, the the the, the human subjects, um, the. Uh, and was much more into the uh, natural sciences and history, uh, things where you have a calculated result and where you don't have to assume so many things, mm -hmm. where you don't have to think how a poet is thinking. Uh, 
uh, but rather can add up stuff and come to a result. Uh, so a natural uh, thing for me was to go into uh, or pursue the natural sciences. And I um, uh, studied uh, chemistry uh, to be a civil engineer. But when I was at the, the bachelor level, uh, then, of course, the uh, big internet revolution uh, started to happen. And this was in the early 90s. And this uh, drew me even more uh, than uh, uh, math and chemistry. Because at the end of the day, had I pursued that career, there was a very high probability that uh, I would spend the better part of my life uh, in some laboratory somewhere, uh, testing the acidity level of shampoos. Uh, and this was maybe not so interesting. I mean, I'm, 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 a, I'm a, of course, uh, uh, putting uh, things a little bit on an edge. There's also a lot of uh, opportunities in, uh, in, in, in medical science and so forth. But when uh, IT became a mainstream topic, um, then I thought programming. That's exactly for me. Uh, you take uh, a real-life problem and you model it. And you model it in, let's say, uh, progress is very fast. If you want to have, let's say, a new medication approved, this is a multi-year repetitive process full of bureaucracy. But in program, uh, programming, right, you, you have the, the problem, the challenge, and you model it relatively fast. And you s quickly see results when you go home every day. Uh, whatever you're working on can do something it couldn't do before. So I chose to change uh, and study computer science uh, and uh, finished there in 98, I think. And then I went to work as a software uh, developer and later as a software architect. Okay, so you pursued your passion. And I think that is very interesting because um, I also heard you saying once that most of the people, uh, um, they become mediocre in what they're doing because uh, they end up in jobs that they don't really like. But then my question for you is, how do you follow your dreams? Because as you're growing up or as people are growing up, they um, some people don't actually take time to think about what is their passion. So what would be your advice to them how to pursue your dreams? Well, I think it's, uh, uh, we all know the movie where the parents want, the, I don't know, son or daughter to be a doctor. Yeah. And the son and daughter really want to be a musician. Uh, and uh, either pursue that and uh, the parents don't want to know their child anymore or, or don't and have this miserable uh, uh, life. I think it's, it's dangerous for me to recommend that you must always pursue your passions uh, because some passions are, let's say, maybe very tough, like I want to be a movie star or I want to be uh, a professional surfing trainer uh, there, um, uh, of course, the odds of success are, are, are very limited. And also, while I uh, definitely knew that uh, natural sciences was something that I wanted to work with, and then later, through chance, it became programming, and let's also be honest, right at the right time, that turned out to be the job where you could get like the high salaries and everything, and I was very lucky uh, with that. Uh, but, but if you really pursue something that you do not uh, like. Uh, you can try it, but if you continue uh, not to like it, then probably you shouldn't be doing that the rest of your life. Because work work is uh, maybe 
a third of our life, uh, half of every waking hour uh, at least, and probably if you really want to succeed, a lot more than that, right? Uh, and there, uh, if it's something that you do not feel that, uh, that uh, then you will never put in that extra effort, right? You will only do what you absolutely must do. And that's definitely not a path to success. So, yeah, uh, go with your passions, but also think uh, a little bit around that your passions are uh, realistic. So to go back to your story, you graduated uh, as a software engineer and you, you mentioned that you started working as a consultant. Um, but when was the first time that you realized that you wanted to become an entrepreneur? I, I didn't sit and think I need to become uh, an entrepreneur. I was actually pretty happy being a... Uh, a specialist in the various software uh, architect uh, fields that I were, were doing. Uh, all the employers I had, and I did work for uh, 13, 13 years or so as a software architect, um, they were very large with me because they knew I put in a lot of hours and I was good at the complicated problems and I got a lot of uh, freedom to operate, freedom in how my workday was planned, and I kind of uh, liked it that way. I never needed to be uh, a boss, uh, but that all changed when Bitcoin came along. And uh, and I was fortunate enough to, quote-unquote, discover Bitcoin relatively early. Uh, a friend of mine made it... Uh, 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 almost forced me to read the white paper even though I had ignored it because Bitcoin wasn't the first mediocre attempt on on digital cash uh, but once I saw Bitcoin, uh, I got so, so, so fascinated by Bitcoin that I knew I wanted to work with it. And there were no companies, right? There were uh, no Bitcoin Swisses or Coinbases or, or, or Krakens or anywhere where you could uh, apply. And at the same time, I was a little bit um, uh, uh, disappointed by the way that Danish society was put together. And I had been uh, blogging and also writing uh, newspaper uh, articles about that for a number of years. And one of the most common things people said to me is, oh, if you're so unsatisfied with the uh, big Danish state, why don't you move to Switzerland? See how that is, right? Yeah. And uh, people meant it in a, yeah, you will never be able to survive in this horrible uh, country of Switzerland because the government is small and people are dying in the streets. But I actually thought they might be right, right? Why do you just complain and complain and take no action? Uh, shouldn't you be uh, walking the walk and not just talking the talk? Uh, and those things combined together that when I saw Bitcoin and saw that there was an option uh, maybe to work with Bitcoin and if I were to pursue that option, I probably had to found the company. I combined it with uh, with with uh, with my desire to also try to move abroad. Uh, and I had looked at uh, at different countries. I had looked at uh, Singapore, City of London, uh, New Zealand, Canada at that time was also very business attractive. Uh, but uh, being a European, uh, uh, being somebody who uh, had always admired the Swiss model, then Switzerland seemed to me to be the ideal place. And then I decided I'll move to Switzerland and I'll found a company that helps people invest in Bitcoin. And I know that once you discover Bitcoin, you took the Bitcoin white paper to your, uh, at that time, employers, and then they, they read the white paper. But 
uh, they didn't think it's urgent to take action on on this new technology. So uh, I want to know how did you feel about it like, uh, when you when you took this white paper to them and they didn't realize your vision and what you saw at that time. Uh, it demands to be uh, uh, explained that uh, my boss at that time uh, was one of my oldest friends, uh, and he, by the way, is a, is a, is is a, the CTO at Bitcoin Swiss today. So that's a, a funny exit, by the way. Uh, he knew me very well. I knew him very well. The company was centered around uh, developing software solutions for clients on a consulting uh, basis. And of course, I was a little bit naive coming and saying, hey, we need to do something about Bitcoin. Uh, we need to uh, build an investment arm and help people uh, invest into Bitcoin and build a platform. And uh, But it wasn't uh, meant in the way that I actually thought he would say, yeah, let's do that. Let's cancel all we're doing. And uh, it was uh, more uh, sharing fascination with a friend. But of course, he said that, you know, we really have uh, uh, a lot to do. That's, uh, and it's not the first crazy idea, Niklas, that you come running with. Uh, but it wasn't a big disappointment, if that's what you asked. Because, of course, I knew that, uh, that if you are selling coffee uh, and somebody comes running and say, let's make furniture, I mean, the company is probably not going to switch over from one day to another. Uh, uh, but I just could not really return to my seat uh, and just continue. I tried. I tried because uh, going out, and even though I knew a lot about finance, and I also thought that I had many of the qualifications that would be needed, of course, uh, like anybody else, uh, I would be... I was horribly scared about uh, leaving what was a good job among good friends uh, at a decent salary to pursue what was uh, a half crazy venture, right? Travel to a foreign country where you know no one to establish a Bitcoin uh, investment company, turn it into a brokerage and a bank. Um, and uh, it took me, I think, three months to make up my mind. Uh, in these three months, I became, of course, a Bitcoin missionary at every lunch break talking uh, almost exclusively uh, about Bitcoin. But in the end, uh, I, I felt that this was just what I uh, had to do. Uh, so I did quit. And it should also be said that uh, uh, my old boss, uh, who is now uh, CTO at Bitcoin Swiss, um, uh, helped me uh, because... Uh, um, hadn't saved that much money and it was costly to set up uh, an apartment so he uh, actually funded my journey down even though I was leaving the company and as fate would have it uh, more or less uh, not all but a great part of the colleagues that we were in that consulting uh, agency became the funding core of uh, Bitcoin Swiss Technologies uh, which is a part of the Bitcoin Swiss group today and developed software in the Bitcoin Swiss uh, uh, ecosystem on our services. So at the end, actually, the company did turn around, right? You can say, uh, in a sense. So, so yes, after after looking uh, some years down at what I was doing, uh, we needed, I actually did many of our early um, solutions at Bitcoin Swiss, also on the uh, programmatic side, our trading software. Uh, but I could not keep up, uh, and we didn't have much money. So who did I turn to? My old friends in Denmark. And uh, and they said, yeah. And then more or less, as I say, a good part of them, at least half of them are working at Bitcoin Swiss today. Good. 
Uh, so, Niklas, you mentioned you know you started this company out of an abundance of urgency, right, to work with this to work with this technology. It's tough to start the company, right? All these entrepreneurs that walk into uh, the doors here and that 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 ask for investment from CBBC or that we invest in. So, how did you you know? There's many setbacks. It's tough, long hours, little money. How did you stay motivated? Uh, in the beginning, and uh, you know, and how how did you keep your team together as well? Because it's tough. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, moving to Switzerland um, uh, from abroad without a residence permit, without a, 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 a fixed contract, without uh, an apartment, things like that is is, is difficult. I uh, managed to accomplish those things remotely. Uh, came down here. Uh, knew no one uh, and had very little funding. Uh, so I took uh, a consulting job, which put me at Credit Suisse. Uh, and that's how I did the first one and a half, two years in Switzerland after coming here in the end of 2011. Uh, and there I repeated the role as Bitcoin missionary, uh, pitched internally in Credit Suisse that, uh, that uh, uh, asset management, wealth management should consider uh, Bitcoin as an asset class for their uh, clients. Uh, called that pitch for uh, Bitcoin Swiss because it rhymed on Credit Swiss. Uh, and while the pitch was not ultimately successful, I was successful in convincing people inside of Credit Swiss as private persons to back the venture uh, of Bitcoin Swiss. Uh, actually, when they came with that offer uh, to me, I was once again thinking this was the master plan. Uh, um, but I was hoping to accomplish this in the context of the security of a big uh, proven financial service provider like Bitcoin Swiss. When they said, it's never going to fly here, go do it yourself, then uh, the fears come back, right? Uh, but um, uh, I didn't consider long and said, yes, I'll do that. I'll simply do that, resigned, uh, set up Bitcoin Swiss, hired some student workers, and there the first two ones are still at Bitcoin Swiss here seven years later, now in management positions. Um, but um, um, the timing, of course, when we got started in 13, weren't all that good. Uh, we started early in 13, but but uh, um, uh, as you know, uh, that was the year that uh, Mount Gox defaulted. Uh, that was the year that uh, the Silk Road was busted, and while <laughs> that didn't directly <laughs> impair our business, uh, of course, I should say, then of course it uh, provided a lot of bad media talk about Bitcoin being the uh, used for illegal things. And then uh, it was also uh, the year of the first great, great uh, uh, hype uh, that sent Bitcoin spiraling from, I think, around $50 and all the way up to $1,100. And then rather rapidly all the way down again. Uh, and then came two years of or one and a half years, ah, yeah, two years of crypto winter, where you only saw Bitcoin going down, 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 or at least staying stable. And this was right when we were founded. And we had, I had taken uh, personal uh, connections and friends and vested them into Bitcoin. And they weren't too happy, right? Because it was only going down. Uh, uh, but but we thought we had a case, right? And we were slowly getting more and more clients. We were not making much money, but we were uh, having quite an experience. And you also feel a rush when you are 
uh, really growing in in uh, in in in, uh, in knowledge and in capability and in solutions. Um, and while we were not financially successful, and yeah, for the first number of years, no one was paid at Bitcoin Swiss. And whatever meager savings I had, including uh, some old Kruger rants I had docked down, I had to find again and sell in order to just keep us in an apartment. We all lived in the same apartment, two-room apartment for people. Uh, uh, then um, that was tough, but you don't give it up when you feel you're doing the right thing. Uh, and you you shouldn't, right? Because uh, entrepreneurship is hard. Do not expect that you have a good idea and then people will shower you in uh, venture capital funds and uh, you will have success in three months. I mean, it can happen. It can happen. Uh, but, uh, but it can also take years. And we are in the second category, right? We were not uh, very well uh, funded. And we had no chance of getting additional funding because after the first year where we were getting started, then we had, yeah, you know, the crypto winter, the first big one. So nobody was too interested in Bitcoin. And there you, 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 um, uh, you must stay true on course. I'm not saying that you should uh, tie yourself to a sinking ship, but we never felt that it was a sinking ship, right? We were slowly getting more clients. We were slowly getting better solutions. And even behold, there were lots of gold diggers coming in in uh, 2013, the end part, because uh, Bitcoin was hyping. But by 2016, they were all dead and gone. All of these uh, uh, high-spending, venture capital-funded uh, Bitcoin brokerages were around there. We were, at least in Europe, the only company when the second hype came around. And whoopsie, here I sit today. Uh, my address is in a castle, and so so maybe don't give up too early, even though it's hard. So on the vision, you know, so today, of course, we know what Bitcoin Swiss is today, and 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 you probably have a, a, a fairly certain vision of where you would like to take it. Uh, but at the time, uh, you know, hindsight is always clear, right? So it's very. But at the time, what was your vision? What what did you really think you will you you will achieve? So when I uh, thought out what would later become Bitcoin Swiss. Uh, I was still sitting in Denmark. It was the end of 2010. Uh, at that particular point in time, uh, the difficult thing was sourcing Bitcoin. Uh, there were no exchanges. Uh, Bitcoin were primarily traded in cafes uh, or uh, you went to people that you knew had mining farms. Uh, and the mining farms back then were nothing like the mining farms today. Uh, with the, you know, it was more like somebody who had some extra computers standing around, right? It was not the warehouses that you see. Uh, and I knew all of these people from my early engagement in the Bitcoin network, so I could source, quote-unquote, large amounts of Bitcoin. But not in the millions. I mean, Bitcoin even didn't even have a uh, multi-million market cap in 2010. I mean, Bitcoin basically had no price in 2010. Uh, the pizza transaction, right? The two pizzas for 10,000 Bitcoin, the first Bitcoin for value transaction was in 2010. And I uh, cannot remember when Bitcoin started getting a reliable price, but I can remember that uh, there was a small uh, celebration in February 2011, where I was still in Copenhagen, uh, because Bitcoin reached the price of $1. It didn't stay there. It went all the way back to 20 cents again. But, but that's what we are talking here. But what Bitcoin were around 
I could um, uh, get my hands on and I could uh, uh, help people uh, invest into these Bitcoin and potentially also sell them again. Because if you uh, are first in the market and know everyone, then of course it can go both ways. But also, as importantly, I could help them uh, store the Bitcoin safely. Uh, and well, I've, I've just had an interesting life. So I had met a lot of people and a lot of people knew me and I do not break agreements. And everyone knew that. Also, um, people uh, in a position of wealth. So I thought I can go to these people and I can point out that this is going to be something big and I would get them convinced to invest because I had a higher degree of trust. People knew me from the newspaper articles and from the uh, free market society that was in in, in Denmark. Uh, and that was the original business model and also our star, uh, startup business model. I think there's a negative name for this, which is a side street brokerage. Uh, somebody who helps people invest. So side street brokerages normally also have high fees. And so did we when we got started, right? Because um, the whole topic here was uh, uh, that Bitcoin was hard to get and sell. And that's how we got started. That was the original vision. Then, of course, everything springs from there. You need a costed dissolution. You need a trading platform. You need and so forth. And there we grew. And today we have these 12 or so comprehensive crypto financial services and are constantly adding new ones. Uh, but yeah, the starting idea was get some people who had some money, get them to invest uh, into Bitcoin, either pay um, uh, a fee for doing that or do it for free and say, I'll only take a part of the upside. This we had in the. This is a typical fund model, uh, but I had these agreements with some people uh, as well, and that turned out very nice, right? When when Bitcoin rose from yeah a few euros to to uh, to thousands of euros. So going back to your story, how you came to Switzerland and then you started working first for a consulting company. In that sent you to Credit Suisse and I know that uh, you said once that you had to work two years for a bank in order to start the bank and uh, this happened um, in two years uh, if I'm right and I think this is quite impressive because that's not the everyday story of, of expats who moved to Switzerland so uh, now I want to know for other people who may be in this situation and you talked before that uh, you moved here without any context without any uh, knowing anybody here or um, so how did you do it? So how, how does somebody move to Switzerland, start working for a bank, and then how do you start a bank or a company that is supposed to, supposed to become a bank? Well, I bought an airline ticket. Uh, I applied at 30 different uh, apartments. And then if you're coming from the EU, you actually have three months to find a job um, before you have to leave again. I'm confident that I could find a job in the as being a, a software architect. Then uh, I took a one-way ticket and I went down to um, to see an apartment. I had to to apply 30 times to find an apartment because I didn't have a track record down here. But uh, on the 30th try, uh, it was a lady who had, uh, where the previous renter was also from Denmark and she had had a good experience with And then she said, I'll give you a chance, uh, but you have to be here tomorrow because there it's open apartment and the people who come there, it's going to be one of those. So I took a one-way ticket down, confident that I would get the apartment, uh, went there. Um, I remember um, uh, having to borrow some funds for the, the rent deposit, and um, uh, people came all night because I was going the next day on a short notice. I had to write on Facebook, hey, 
anyone who can borrow me some money, uh, my old boss helped. I had a whole uh, carry bag of small Danish banknotes. Because in Denmark, you can withdraw like, I think, 200 francs or 300 francs maximum from an ATM. And they come out in something uh, similar to 10 or 20 franc bills. So I had a whole bag of it. I went to the airport. I had it exchanged. I remember into uh, was a six 1,000 franc banknotes. I was like, wait, a bag here? And you get, uh, <laughs> whoa, you're going to a country with, uh, uh, which is strong on, uh, on the money topic, right? Uh, got the apartment and was walking around on my second day uh, in Souk. And that the apartment was in Souk was by chance, right? I hadn't done the analysis so close that I thought Souk is a small jurisdiction, it's business friendly. I was actually looking in Zurich, but where I wasn't successful there, then I looked broader and I found uh, an apartment in Souk. And it's actually why uh, Bitcoin Swiss was founded in Souk, right? So, so it's funny how lots of things can be uh, coincidental. But on the second day here, I was trying to navigate the supermarkets. One of the difficult things by moving is that the supermarkets that you know so well, everything is different. The milk has a different color. It's stored somewhere else. You cannot find your usual brands. You have to start all over again. You will see that also when you are a tourist and walk into a supermarket somewhere else and it's like impossible to find something. And there, uh, my mobile phone called and it was uh, uh, um, uh, a consulting agency in Switzerland who had heard that I had come down here and were offering me uh, a job, the job that sent me out at Credit Suisse. Oh, you know, word travels. Uh, in the software industry in Europe is not that big. Um, uh, or maybe some of my bosses in Denmark had put in a friendly word f- uh, with me through their network. Uh, I cannot remember exactly, but they definitely called. I got the job, and then, of course, um, I was here. And I think it's important in all entrepreneurship that uh, do not have a... Uh, a business model, at least not if, if, if you're not coming out of another exit, but have a, a limited, uh, clear uh, focus. Uh, let's say if I today were to found Bitcoin Swiss in competition with Bitcoin Swiss mm-hmm. and I had to look at those uh, uh, great number of services, this would be a little bit up, uphill, right? You need to be an established player to challenge a large company. But back then, it was a limited focus, right? In and out of Bitcoin and helping people find the Bitcoin at a good price and keep them safe. This is something you can explain people. And when I went to work at at, uh, Credit Suisse, that is uh, what I did. And if you do not have a network, well, then uh, uh, you have to build one. And coming to a new place, you have to probably double down your, your effort in doing so. And if your business idea is good, uh, then uh, uh, chances are that you will convince somebody that this might be a good idea. And that's what happened for me at Credit Suisse and what uh, uh, eventually led to the, the, the founding of, of Bitcoin Swiss. So how do you do it? Well, if you have a good and passionate business idea, uh, spar it uh, with your friends and connections. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily day one uh, call some venture capital uh, company, let the idea mature, uh, be passionate uh, about it, and eventually somebody should pick up interest. I mean, I only ever did one company, so I cannot say that uh, this is the way it normally goes, but at least that's how it went for me. Uh, I did eventually pitch the idea uh, towards professionals at Credit Suisse, uh, 
but uh, they were not the ones picking up on it, right? It was the actually, yeah, okay, some of them were actually part of that meeting, but but it was just private persons who thought I was very passionate and since uh, about the idea and probably would be able to manage. And the capital I needed wasn't uh, in the millions, right? It was in the hundreds of thousands. Mm -hmm. So it was actually accomplishable. Clear vision, um, uh, clear budget, uh, limited, you can easily get traction. But of course, if you want to raise 20 million for some very high-flying idea, and this is the first time you ever uh, go out as, a, as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneur, it's going to be majorly tough because I would also be sitting on the investment side and say, wait a moment, you like never did anything and now I should invest 20 million in this super complicated idea. Uh, yeah, um, there you need probably to build a group uh, which also stretches across uh, successful entrepreneurs. That would at least be mine. But in my case, because the idea was so small that it could actually be done with three, four people, at least initially, and a few hundred thousand, then of course it was relatively easy to find the backing. So, Nicole, so in the general perception, as you mentioned, you know, you wanted to come to Switzerland. Uh, maybe you can elaborate why why Denmark would 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 uh, or Danish people would would have Switzerland as like as a terrible example or as a competitive economy. In the general perception, obviously. Uh, you know, it's difficult to start the business here, right? So it's expensive, you have high cost. Uh, you know, generally the workforce is conservative. You need to convince talented people to join your, your, uh, you know, your company from a steady corporate job, which pays quite well. So why exactly was it, do you think, was it the right place for you to start? And maybe this could be both on the crypto side, but just as an entrepreneur as well. I guess it, uh, uh, it depends retrospectively for for bitcoin swiss and for me yes it was uh, the right place it was maybe not the only right place but i wouldn't uh, uh, do it over that's easy to say now because we are relatively successful uh, today as a company uh, but um switzerland has a lot of good things going for it um the uh, the uh, uh, it's it's uh, it's um, well known to be a financial marketplace uh, it has uh, uh, it's geopolitically very stable. Uh, it's in the middle of Europe with good access also to the European market and not only to the Swiss market uh, through the various trade agreements uh, that are in place. It's uh, uh, true that it has an uh, expensive workforce, but it also has a highly educated workforce and these things often go together. Uh, it's tax efficient uh, and don't get me wrong tax for me is not a matter of me getting a bigger and bigger top hat and a bigger and bigger uh, Bentley it's a matter of being able to sell your services cheaper which is a competitive advantage right uh, and then finally uh, Switzerland and Swiss regulators um, have a more friendly attitude towards uh, fintechs than was the case in Denmark where you should uh, only or, or your major chance at going into financial services uh, is to go directly for a bank license at day one, something which I clearly couldn't do at the time, right? I did not come equipped with uh, with uh, millions and millions of dollars, which would be the cost for that. And not only the cost of actually achieving the license, but then uh, when are your operation big enough to actually pay for the additional regulatory requirements that put on you? Only today are Bitcoin Swiss big enough for that. So 
So we would have been losing money for seven years in a row, right, uh, if we had had a bank license from day one. Uh, then, of course, I had a personal affinity for, for, for Switzerland. Uh, it's a, 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 let's say, a, a, a low, uh, uh, the, the proportion, the size of the state is smaller than in, uh, in many other European countries. Uh, labor laws are, are nicer uh, than in many other European countries. Uh, the uh, system of direct democracy had always fascinated me from a personal level. Uh, I like that uh, 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 Wilhelm Tell, who actually didn't live, <laughs> didn't uh, exist, yes. was a, a tax rebel, uh, right? He was uh, yes. at odds with the Austrian tax collector. And it's a Northern European saga, right, that uh, was imported. And, and even the more true story, Uh, that uh, Werner von Stauffacher uh, rebelled against the Habsburgs were again related to uh, conflicts of other people wanting to rule them to which uh, the people from Canton Swiss said uh, and and, and I find that fascinating right as well so it was uh, something a country that I had always admired but if you look from the EU towards Switzerland there's a different uh, public perception yes many people Uh, see the same things as I do, but normally Switzerland is devilized, right? It's never part of the European uh, 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 um, uh, listings of how you're doing in France, and if you see television in Denmark, Switzerland is just a black hole. Nobody talks about it. And I think one of the reasons is that the Swiss have a different model than the EU, right? Uh, You can, and the numbers are very much in your favor. And that's why Switzerland is a little bit devilized. And, and many Danes would say, ah, oh, yeah, but Switzerland, yeah, it's wealthy, but it's, uh, uh, it's, it's the Nazis. It's Nazi gold, all of it, right? And these are just not, this is just not true. Uh, I mean, I did not arrive in the airport, and then there was some Swiss official, here's your part of the Nazi gold now. Uh, uh, join the club, right? That's not how it works. Um, but uh, I don't think I would have accomplished uh, Bitcoin Swiss uh, as a company had we started in Denmark. It would have been uh, too tough, and somewhere along the uh, line, the regulators would have come and said, no, take half a year break while we investigate if this setup is at uh, at all possible. And then you're dead, right? If somebody said, put your company on hold for half a year, forget about it. Uh, uh, Swiss regulators never did that. Uh, uh, And even though we were in close contact with them, and only at a later stage... uh, 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 did they start to put uh, requirements of us when we could fulfill them, but not when it would have killed us. And I will forever be thankful for that treatment. When it comes to uh, engaging people into Bitcoin Swiss, uh, of course I had my Danish uh, network, which eventually became a part of our technology services. Uh, uh, But I found it actually not that difficult. I started with some student workers. The first of them actually came to buy Bitcoin And then we had a long talk, and then he applied for a job, and then he never went back to where he came from, but just stayed in Zouk uh, for the next couple of years. I mean, I had uh, some worried parents there who were like, what happened to our son? He went to buy some Bitcoin, and we never saw him again. Um, But uh, um, uh, I do not think the Swiss are uh, living up to this reputation of Uh, being uh, very conservative, not open to new things. It's not the experience I had. 
uh, all of the first joiners uh, at Bitcoin Swiss were Swiss, right? Swiss Swiss. I mean, with Swiss passports. Uh, the way uh, Zug uh, treated also Bitcoin Swiss and started accepting Bitcoin, which is a radical new thing. I mean, the whole crypto value is a radical new thing. Uh, where is this conservatism that I uh, hear so much about from other people, from other expats? Is it perhaps that they group themselves together? I mean, this is... Uh, uh, I'm not necessarily saying this is the case, but do they group themselves together in expat environments and feel excluded from the Swiss society as a consequence? Then it only makes sense, right? If you are not, I mean, if you're not out there amongst the Swiss, then how do you uh, uh, think that you get Swiss friends? You uh, do that by being Swiss. Have you done an effort to learn German? Uh, are you uh, uh, shopping locally? I mean, uh, I think it can be hard if you maybe move to Switzerland after a successful career as an entrepreneur with a money because here you think that you can uh, structure your holding company in a nice way and then you buy a villa somewhere on the lake and don't meet anyone. Yeah, you'll be alone. Uh, but that's uh, that the Swiss themselves are not, that's not ex the experience I had in Zug or in Zurich at all. Uh, and even, even, even the government and even the regulators were here open on a level that I could not imagine in Denmark. So, no, no, I don't think the Swiss are conservative. I think all small nations have to be uh, adaptive, stand on their feet. And the Swiss, if anyone has learned that, I mean, look at the Swiss history. Uh, so the, the, this reputation is not deserved. So, uh, th thank you. That's great. It's great to hear. It's, a, it's, a, it's an inspiring, <laughs> inspi inspiring story. So now, you know, Bitcoin Swiss has grown a lot, right? So from a small team... You guys were p pioneers, so to speak, right? Now you have the a first crypto-oriented company uh, founded in Switzerland. In Switzerland, yeah. Pioneers, so from a small team, you now have a large organization. So what do you, and you, of course, you have management, you know, that takes care of, but you're still, you're the founder. So what, what, what do you do in order to keep that culture alive and to transmit the culture and build a culture in a large organization? Um, as a company grows, so when a company is small, uh, and uh, it's it's like a family. Everybody knows what everybody is doing. Uh, uh, everybody, at least at Bitcoin Swiss, spends a lot of time together. In our uh, case, it was really a family because when we moved out of the two-room apartment, we moved to a six-room apartment, and then we filled in more people. And and all through, and it was what we did. Uh, because then we could both work at the office and we could work at home and we could discuss work when we were uh, eating and uh, when we had to socialize and go out to some club, we all went together. And this continued all the way. Uh, actually, I moved to my quote-unquote own apartment the first time in 2017, right? So that's like four years into Bitcoin Swiss. Uh, at that point, there weren't only one company apartment, there were several uh, in the biggest one, I think we lived nine people. Authorities sometimes came visiting to see, are there really nine people here? Because it looked uh, strange on the post box. Uh, and I had a room there like everyone else, except mine was maybe 20% larger than the other people's room. But then I had also my girlfriend, later wife, living there. Uh, um, that's uh, like a family. Uh, then, of course, at some point, this structure doesn't work anymore because you're sitting uh, in different... I, I mean, and it's also not a healthy or scalable structure. Yeah. 
uh, and it also very much rely on superhuman efforts, which means that theoretically, if somebody is hit by a car, the whole company could fail, right? Uh, uh, we reached, uh, when we were around uh, uh, 20 people, it was clear that we needed also not all direct report to me, uh, but also uh, segregation and middle management had to start to come in at that level. Uh, we could no longer, I could no longer do, for example, uh, accounting. We needed an, uh, a CFO for that. Uh, we certainly uh, got that only at the nick of time before it became so complicated and difficult that nobody could have taken over the... Uh, but we managed to clear out uh, the first many years. It was really not a choice. Do you do business or administration? And we were all business, leaving the administration to suffer. Uh, and I also... Uh, came to the conclusion around that time that uh, uh, my strengths were uh, pro uh, probably not daily operation. So ideally, we would also find a really strong CEO and one who could do a lot of the things that I could not do, one who had a, a long-term Swiss network and one who came out of the banking industry where we were heading. Uh, not to, I mean, Bitcoin Swiss is not becoming a bank per se, but we will have a banking license in order to provide our services cheaper. Uh, these things uh, have to happen. At a certain point, if you want to keep total control of the company, and if everything has to go through you, you become the bottleneck. Uh, either you will break down uh, eventually because you never get any sleep or holiday, uh, or you will start delaying things, uh, becoming a, a problem for the company. Uh, also, the ideal goal should be to build an organism where you can actually uh, uh, take out a single person or even two and the organism can still function. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, shareholders or investors will always be skeptical to invest in you because you are not really a company. You are a small group of superheroes. You take one part away, everything falls away. People need security that the company is viable. Uh, so for us, it started when we were around 20 people. We brought in the first professionals. It was also the first time we could afford the professionals. Uh, starting with uh, Arthur Weilian, who I had known uh, through our cooperation uh, on bringing uh, Bitcoin into the first uh, uh, bank that offered Bitcoin trading in Switzerland, Fidelcon Private Bank. Uh, he uh, struck me as the ideal candidate for somebody who could help Bitcoin Swiss grow and take over daily operation, open us up to the banking system, and who had the network, not only for clients, but also for all the other things we needed, uh, uh, chief trading, uh, chief financial officers, and so forth. And uh, you have to let go, and it's a terrible thing. And I'll be quite honest, it's also uh, here that we see many of the companies fail, because it's not the right people who come in, or the founder cannot give up uh, uh, the power, or let's be honest about it, the equity. The equity you probably need to uh, give out in order to involve. I mean, uh, Arthur came out of a 30-year highly successful career at Bitcoin Swiss. How do you incentivize such a capacity to come to a startup unless he has a stake in the startup? Um, and it's dangerous. Uh, but either you do that or at that particular point you sell your company to somebody who has that structure. You have only those two choices. If you want to sit there and do everything yourself, you will either break down or the company will break down because you become a bottleneck. So yeah, it's no choice really. 
take the time to find the right people, though. And I have two questions related to this, what you just said. So first question is, how did you learn all the skills that uh, you needed? Uh, because you came from a software engineering and you were soft software architect and then you started a financial company. So how did you learn? And then the second question is, uh, how was it later when you realized that uh, maybe uh, it doesn't make sense that you have to learn all these skills, that it's better to bring other people in? How, 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 how did you feel about it and um, to, to uh, let the control to other people? So I'd say uh, necessity is the master of all learning, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if there's something you don't know, which you need to know, you will learn it. Uh, um, I, I've... I've learned a lot through my life, and I've always been uh, interested in learning more. That, of course, helps when you have to do something that is very broad, uh, based on only your competences. Uh, but I was certainly not a master in a lot of uh, uh, topics like uh, financial accounting, tax accounting, uh, regulatory, uh, and all of those things. I would have loved to hire professionals for. And this is maybe uh, also where somebody can learn from some of our mistakes. When eventually I did, that was a bit too late. So if you ignore these topics, for uh, it will be at your peril. And only through uh, uh, authorities being a little bit forgiving, this did not become a large problem for Bitcoin. Swiss. In other words, we were behind on our accounting topics. Um, uh, but otherwise, of course, if you have no other option, then when you are faced with a new challenge, you will learn it. And I spent a lot of time on uh, financial Wikipedia in order to uh, figure out how to do a balance sheet. Not because I thought it hugely interesting, but because in the other end of the phone was somebody saying, we need your balance sheet. Um, uh, and also being a software architect, you um, this is not a skill like uh, if you if you work with wood, you learn it, and it's there for life. But if you work with software, uh, the ways you do it, the, uh, the programming languages, the modeling languages, the uh, different things, uh, software you have to work with in order to produce, they change ra radically every two, three years. So you get through the process of, of having to relearn again and again. Uh, uh, so I'm, I've never been afraid of that, uh, learning new things. But uh, certainly... Uh, it was a great relief when we could bring in more professionals. But it is often the hen and the egg. Uh, uh, since we were never uh, investor-funded, uh, except uh, some small private investments that, that got us going in the beginning uh, when we founded the company, uh, there just weren't a budget for bringing in, oh, let's find the best in these various fields. right? And it very much ended up with us guys, including me, uh, having to study and learn a lot in order to uh, to bring us forward. But uh, that all changed in 2017, where we, for the first time, could start to hire uh, specialists. Specialist needs needs uh, 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 a large organization, right? Otherwise, you need generalists, somebody who can do like everything when you are uh, small. Uh, and hopefully, uh, some of the companies also that you work with, you can advance that a little bit and more, maybe also give them access to shared resources. Uh, we could have done that uh, better. Uh, somewhat failed, and that created a lot of problems later on. But eventually, we got our structure right as well. So, Niklas, now you're racing for a Series A. Uh, can you share where you're standing in the process and how that's going? Yes, certainly. 
So a Series A is the first time you raise capital as a company by uh, by selling your your equity. If you were to do it a second time, it would be called a Series B and so forth. Uh, and it's uh, of course a little bit funny that Bitcoin Swiss does its Series A uh, after seven years of being active uh, in business, where a Series A is normally something you do really early on. Uh, the reason that we do it so late uh, is uh, the reason we do it at all is we need capital, and I'll explain why later. The reason that we do it so late is that we never needed capital besides from what we had accumulated through returned earnings uh, until that stage, uh, until now. Uh, but normally you would do it rather early on. What we are doing is that we are bringing, uh, we are selling 20% of the equity of Bitcoin Swiss at a 275 million Swiss franc pre-money valuation. So, uh, and we uh, make these shares uh, available either through shares that Bitcoin Swiss has owned for a very long time when it bought out some of the early shareholders or by creating new shares. Nothing too controversial in that. Uh, the reason we are raising 20% of 275 million, you will come to the number of 55 million Swiss franc, is that we uh, have to guarantee uh, people who make deposits on balance sheet deposits at Bitcoin Swiss. So if you have let's say 10,000 francs at Bitcoin Swiss, uh, we have to have uh, prevent, present you a bank guarantee for those 10,000 uh, Swiss francs so that if Bitcoin Swiss were to go bankrupt, uh, you can go and get your 10,000 francs from a bank. This is uh, very capital intensive because we cannot use the 10,000 francs you have by us to put them into a bank guarantee because then what happens when you need to do something with the money? Withdraw them, buy Bitcoin. Uh, so we actually have to come up with an additional 10,000 francs. And that means that, that for all our depositors in fiat funds and unbalanced sheet crypto, we have to have the same amount of money. And while Bitcoin Swiss is profitable and have been for the last four years, and while we have retained earnings, so kept money in the company uh, to the tune of around 55 million uh, Swiss francs, it's actually a coincidence, it's the same number as we are raising, then all of this 55 million is now deployed in bank guarantees securing our depositors uh, or lend out or providing trading liquidity. And the key shareholders at Bitcoin Swiss have even borrowed the company another 50 million Swiss francs uh, because the 55 that we had were not enough. Uh, but now, uh, since uh, we are all in, I've, I've left all the money that we earned almost at inside Bitcoin Swiss, uh, committed all the capital I had on the side and so have all the shareholders in order to continue growing we need to raise more money to expand the size of our uh, bank guarantee and if we do not do it we will have to say no thank you to clients and nobody wants that so we decided to roughly double our company capital and that's what we are doing at the moment and to the question on where we are on our Series A uh, we are uh, closing it this month, so in uh, in June, uh, and at the moment we have subscriptions. I think for 33 million of the maximum uh, 55 million. So it will be the largest capital raise in the crypto scene uh, done traditionally. Uh, it's not the largest if you take a look at the ICOs that were launched. There, the largest one in Switzerland would probably be the Tesla Foundation. 
uh, and it's severely larger than ours. But if you do a traditional, which is you sell your equity um, uh, and not uh, uh, a token, uh, either a, a, a payment or as a token or whatever, then it's uh, going to be the largest one uh, ever. And I think, without promising too much, that we are probably also going to cross the 40 million before we are done. Um, and this is sufficient capital for Bitcoin Swiss to grow towards becoming uh, a bank in both Liechtenstein and Switzerland. And when we do get a banking license, then we do not have to guarantee deposits 100%, and then we are also secured uh, future growth. Uh, there are a few other things we are raising the money for, including capitalizing our Liechtenstein entity in order to get a bank license. But what's very important for me to transmit is that none of the money we are taking in order to pay salaries or invest in something we hope turn out to be something good. All of the money is being added to the Bitcoin Swiss company capital uh, to allow us to have a, a larger balance sheet. So we are not going to spend the money. We need the money to guarantee and capitalize various entities, uh, but we are not going to spend it. So it's a relatively safe investment from the side of investors compared to somebody who would come, and that's the normal way to say, I need so and so much money, I want to build this wonderful product, and then I will sell the product. Here the thing is, can you build the product uh, from the side of the investor? And if you build the product, can you sell it, or does anybody want to buy it at all? These are some risks that our investors do not have to deal with. Um, and uh, But normally you would put it a lot sooner than we have done it. Uh, and that's the normal thing. And I guess that's also the arrangement that you uh, make here with your incubating companies, that you do actually a very early funding round where where uh, you provide them a lot of help. A lot of help, by the way, that I could have used back in the day. Uh, so if we can take a time machine, maybe we can discuss terms. Uh, uh, and then already they do a, a capital raise there. But that's where we are standing. So a very interesting thing. Um, if people are interested, uh, interested uh, they can go on Bitcoin Swiss Investor Relations and there you will have our investor material. And you can have a look and you have approximately 14 days, three weeks uh, in order to, uh, to, uh, to invest. I'm pretty sure we can give our investors a win-win. One other question to that, Nicholas. You're doing this in a much more competitive environment now, right? You have those, those people that are offering brokerage, storage, um, products are already available. So what makes you personally so optimistic about this digital asset uh, space? It's uh, certainly correct that there's a lot more competitors to uh, uh, the services that on Swiss provides than there were, uh, let's say, in 2016, where we had the entire Swiss market for ourselves all of the year. Uh, and all the way from 13 to 16, it was basically Bitcoin Swiss way or the highway, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I think that's also healthy because if we want the market really to grow, you can't just have a single service provider. Uh, that's called a monopoly. That's not uh, a sign of health. Uh, and also people have, of course, been looking at Bitcoin Swiss saying, wait a moment, uh, Niklas is driving a big car, so this is probably profitable business. Let's do the same or let's do something similar. Uh, and I don't uh, uh, point fingers at that at all. It's, uh, it's a natural uh, evolution. It's good uh, for the market and it's good for people who need crypto financial services that they are competition. Um, nevertheless, 
we are so much larger than the other Swiss uh, uh, providers, and our service offering is a lot broader, and our track record is longer. And while they've come around and helped grow the market, and while uh, some clients from us have maybe changed to them, and some of their clients have maybe changed to us, I have not seen a customer flight, quite the opposite. Bitcoin Swiss is continuing to grow. Uh, so uh, uh, I'm quite confident since crypto adaption is also continuing to grow and we are seeing not more and more people just holding crypto assets as an investment, but also more and more services being launched uh, based on blockchain technology. Many of the companies probably also uh, coming out of the CVVC space. Uh, I uh, am not fearful. We are clearly by far the market leader in Switzerland, and uh, I don't say that to be arrogant. We've done analysis on that. Uh, and our uh, and the only maybe real alternative to comprehensive financial crypto financial services outside of Coinbase, right? If you need the whole thing, the credit lending, the leverage, the staking, the uh, brokerage, the custody, and so forth. And that other people are also providing these services, that's absolutely fine. There are also more than, uh, let's say, one uh, uh, shoe manufacturer in the world. There's also more than uh, than one shipping company in the world. I think this is uh, good and healthy. Uh, but I do not see Bitcoin Swiss declining because of this. Uh, we're still growing, both in revenues and also in number of clients. So while uh, I can tell the in, uh, investors that it's true, there are uh, other companies I can also provide a comprehensive analysis of our market position, and it is pretty good. Uh, so where the discount, I say, on the investment should happen is probably with some of the smaller players who have uh, 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 who cannot provide exactly the same security than than we can to the investors. And I know their services are great, and I wish them all the luck from the bottom of my heart. Uh, uh, but for us, it hasn't obviously not been a big impediment because we've come out, we've raised the most amount of money ever in the Swiss Crypto Financial Series A, uh, uh, actually by a factor of two or three by now. Uh, and we do this in the middle of the uh, Corona uh, time. Most difficult so situation in uh, financial markets. For so sure, yes. I think uh, I think many people have found value in our offering. And, and if they didn't, then of course they shouldn't invest. And that's... Uh, uh, that's how it is. But yeah, uh, our Series A will be successful. It's the first time I ever said that actually to anyone, but now, I mean, in, uh, to the media. But definitely, yes, it will be. What are the business values that you like in uh, other people and that you're looking uh, for in your employees? Um, not only business values, but also maybe human uh, values. So what I like when I look at employees uh, are the same things that I think most people like when they look at employees, which is um, uh, a high level of skill, a high level of motivation. Um, these are absolutely core. Uh, I want uh, people working at Bitcoin Swiss who are passionate about what we do uh, and who are uh, if they are not already highly qualified, uh, so motivated to be highly qualified uh, fast that I know that they will pick up the skills. And what I do not look, uh, and then of course, uh, uh, honesty, uh, being a team player uh, at a large, a larger company, um, 
there's very little room for not being a team player. You will be part of teams because the things that we do are just too big assignments for for one person. So I do not like the the people who um, uh, want to to take uh, every success as their own and throw away every failure as being part of uh, that somebody else's problem. Uh, taking responsibility is also really great. What is maybe not so important is uh, is formal uh, education. Uh, I put uh, not no value, but very little value on on, on nice titles. Uh, it's another world today, right? That that was really great in the sixties uh, to doing a career to come in with a doctorate and a PhD and so forth. Today, uh, it can even work against you because if you cannot really prove that uh, that this was a a uh, subject that you really felt for, but you just come on with some uh, degree at university that could be whatever, uh, then I'm saying, hey, why did you waste five or six years on that? Uh, so um, um, the human factor is important. Motivation is very important. I really uh, like the people who are passionate about what we do and who do not just see it as, a, wait a moment, this could make me financially super successful because crypto is up and coming, uh, who take responsibility, who are team players. Uh, and I do not care so much about uh, yeah, formal education. Mm-hmm. And uh, what are the values of Bitcoin Swiss? What do you stand for? And um, also, how do you communicate these values to your employees? Uh, core for us is, uh, uh, is that we are honest, transparent, uh, and this uh, is not normal in the financial sector where there's uh, quite a lot of uh, of people who work even with wealth management who will maybe not always have the client's best interest at heart uh, uh, maybe have uh, opaque pricing so it's difficult to find out what you really pay uh, and then of course we want to provide the, uh, the best crypto financial services that are uh, available on some points, we do not do that. Uh, I'll make you quite transparent that Bitcoin Swiss is ever improving and there are some people who do various crypto financial services better than us. Uh, but uh, we're catching up on those fast and on others, I would say we are uh, by far the best. And one of the things that we need, uh, that we have central is the trust. Uh, we haven't been screwing up anyone for seven years plus, so we are not likely to do so tomorrow. Uh, the long track record uh, works very much in our favor, uh, both when we uh, work with the regulators, but certainly also uh, when we work with the clients. And I have uh, absolutely <laughs> uh, very low tolerance for employees who do not uh, treat the clients with the highest respect or who uh, um, are inclined to, let's say, uh, maybe uh, allocate to their portfolio uh, uh, some asset class that isn't in the uh, best interest of the client, even though it's might be in our interest because we have too much of that or whatever agreement or kickback agreement and things like that. That That's not how we operate. We were supposed to come around to do better uh, than crypto, uh, than uh, financial services have traditionally been doing, not to replicate uh, a rotten system, right? So transparency on... Uh, on uh, on the guarantees that we put, transparency uh, on the um, uh, that we really hold the assets. We have open financials, not only to our clients, but to the market. You can just go on Bitcoin Swiss. You can see uh, uh, 
all of our financials, what's our capital, what's our revenues, none of this uh, secret uh, uh, that we see for some of, some of the other players who are basically keeping under the lid that they are not maybe that successful, right? In order to maybe be more attractive to the investors, I don't know. Uh, that's that's not what uh, what we are about, and this is uh, uh, also the values that we again and again uh, transmit to the employees. And it's pretty easy when you talk to someone in the case of a job interview or through work if if they are straight shooter or not. Uh, and and we need the straight shooters even in our marketing. And that's the second part of your question: How do we, we communicate these values to the outside? Well, in most of the uh, marketing that we do, uh, we uh, do transmit transparency uh, on our pricing, on our services, our long track record. These are all part of the news that we release in the market. These are all things of the press releases we uh, we release in the market. And our marketing and communication department, uh, even though it's now rather large, are not a marketing department in the sense that they call people up in the middle of. Uh, of the evening saying, hey, uh, miss, uh, whatever, uh, I found your phone number in the phone book, you really need to buy Bitcoin. Uh, even with your pension savings, that's that's not not uh, a part of uh, how we do marketing. We do uh, almost no push marketing. Uh, we did a little bit in the in the Series A, but normally we, we market our services and our brand and then we uh, wait for people to contact us. Um, because the other thing, the Wolf of Wall Street kind of uh, buy my uh, weirdo uh, asset class, this is uh, uh, really not a uh, very nice to operate uh, way to operate because even though, for example, about Bitcoin and Ethereum and other uh, core crypto assets, we are passionate. Even we cannot say uh, that you are absolutely going to make a good investment if you if you buy those right and there has also been times for example when we got started i directly went to some people and said you should think about bitcoin and what happened it fell for more than a year uh, and i remember those angry phone calls uh, that were back then so no yeah trust transparency uh, providing rock solid services uh, uh uh, being uh, team players internally and externally towards the clients, these are the things that uh, that we look for. I want every employee, starting with myself, but also everybody else, every day when they look in the mirror at home, uh, to not feel bad about what they do, but to be proud about what they do. Uh, then you also double down your efforts, right? Uh, there's no amount of money that could make me change that. Um, that nobody could offer me 500 million to promote this crappy scam coin. Uh, I wouldn't care. I mean, I, I, I'm financially successful enough and adding more to that at the cost of my self-respect or the self-respect uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, the people who work at Bitcoin Swiss, uh, that's just not, not an option. Uh, we need to be proud about what we do and, uh, and pride. Uh, and self-respect is just not for sale. Don't go down that road. Simba, it's a dark country, right? Uh, so, 
Okay, and how do you how do you build these values internally? Are there any um, because I know that you uh, your employees you climb the mountain and to do Bitcoin trade there, and then uh, are there any other uh, similar activities that you're doing uh, to build up the culture for other um, entrepreneurs out there who are also building companies? Maybe I really like to say co-workers more than employees because mm-hmm. that the employees the hierarchical uh, I'm the boss kind of, uh, uh, but. Uh, uh, my colleagues or employees at, at Bitcoin Swiss, if you want uh, your employees to uh, put in that extra effort and uh, at your company, you have to treat them right, right? You have to uh, take the time to also look at their individual uh, request. You have to take the time to hear about their concerns. Uh, maybe they feel mistreated by other colleagues or somebody in management. You have to make sure uh to cut them in on the f- success of the company and here i think something like uh, employee share plans or option plans are very important not just for startups but for companies in general uh because these are uh very highly motivating for people to have a, a part of the, the the future success and we've been doing this for years i mean at uh, even though 2019 was a tough year at the uh, a Christmas dinner this year, I, I stood up and uh, I said, uh, there are no fruit baskets for you to take home with a bottle of wine. Uh, I instead uh, uh, have put together six million Swiss francs in stocks and cash. And this is what you get. Um, that meant uh, a bonus of more than 10,000 Swiss francs for even uh, even the people sitting in the reception and uh, more for the people who had been at Bitcoin Swiss for a long time, and I think uh, such things are very important. Uh, it's not almost a question if you can afford it. Uh, you cannot afford not to, right? Uh, and if you treat uh, your co-workers or employees are treated well, then employees will, of course, also feel part of the whole thing, and then they will do an extra effort. And I'm not just talking in hours, because let's not exploit people that they burn out together even though make room for it for maybe young uh, people who do not have a family and who want to kickstart their career uh, uh, let them also work extra within limits that they can really move forward uh, whereas uh, of course others don't have that option and that's uh, that's perfectly fine uh, <clears throat> you will not regret uh, treating your uh, co-workers and employees nice uh, you will however regret not to your company spirit will die relatively fast. People will start <coughs> looking at the watch. Uh, they will not be available if there's a crisis in, in the middle of the night. Uh, uh, so that's important. However, as human beings, if you are treated nicely by a company or by a friend or by anyone, then unless you are a raving uh, psychopath, you will want to return that fa- favor uh, and also... Uh, treat the company or your friend uh, equally nice, and I think that's that's very important. And, uh, and a company has a very big responsibility uh, in not using uh, its human capital as use and throw away uh, items. Even if if somebody has to leave, then do you stop that moment and say, "Oh, uh, then you get nothing more from us. Get out of the," or do you uh, instead remember a little, little bit about what that person contributed and help them on to? I don't know uh, the next job or uh, the uh, 
uh, take care that their interest, I don't know, company shares are fairly executed, even though you might have a right to cut them off. And I mean, uh, that's not how the world is. You will uh, have a very uh, uh, poor future as a manager if you are an asshole. The room, the world has little room for for that kind of assholes, right? Uh, you will not be successful. Well, thank you, Nicole. So, at, at the you know at the end of each interview, we ask our guests to, in ninety seconds, uh, give three advices that you really care about for future entrepreneurs or some that are that are entrepreneurs now. So, you would have um, we would ask you to to have uh, three good advice uh, pieces of advice for for future entrepreneurs or current entrepreneurs in ninety seconds. In ninety seconds. So. Um don't give up easily and be tough. Uh, it is tough to be an entrepreneur and uh, crying about that it's not going too fast uh, is not going to help you. You'll be, you'll be tough and you will not give up because you believe in your, your business idea. Uh, I think that's maybe the most important thing. Uh, uh, secondly, uh, I would say, should you fail, uh, then it's not the end of the world. Uh, as long as we move forward and keep trying, eventually you will be successful. It's only when you stop the journey of life that you have ultimately failed. So should it not work out the first time around, uh, then uh, tr try again. And the last thing is you have to uh, uh, understand that, that uh, it is risky. Uh, but uh, with risk comes also reward. So align yourself with the risk. And, and take that chance if you believe it's a, the right thing. And don't let anybody say you can't do it because, of course, you can. I mean, if I can, anyone can. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. This was another episode of Crypto Valley Visionaries Podcast. Make sure to follow us when the mics are off on LinkedIn and Twitter at CV underscore labs. Or visit our website at CVLabs.com. 